Welcome to Thoroughly Equipped, a podcast for women where we compare the popular women's ministry teachings, books, conferences, Bible studies, etc. to scripture. Our focus is 2 Timothy 3.16-17, that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. episode of Thoroughly Equipped. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this podcast. And if you are new, welcome. May this episode be a blessing to you. So last Titus 2 time, we looked at what doctrine is and what scripture says about doctrine and how teaching that which is good, God's teaching, his doctrines, actually produce something. They produce good works. This is the underlying point of Paul's instruction in Titus 2, that when an older woman teaches that which is good, it actually encourages the younger to love husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to husbands. When women produce these good works as a result of good and right doctrine, they exalt God's word and do not revile it. So for this episode... I want to look at the flip side of that coin and talk about false teaching. What does scripture say about it? What does it produce? And how do we women identify it? So here's the question we all need to think about. Are you consuming false doctrine? As women, we have a lot that we can become concerned about, such things as our looks, our health, what we put in our bodies. As mothers, we're even concerned with what our children consume, their health. We long to bring nourishment as it is part of our hospitality, you know, part of our nature. Yet, for most of us Christian women, we, week after week, sit under preaching and teaching of the typical American evangelical church. How do we know if we and our family are receiving spiritual nourishment? Is our pastor feeding the sheep healthy food or rubbish? And it's not just on Sunday, but what we consume spiritually when doing devotions, Christian books, social feeds, memes, podcasts, videos, and even real-life conversations. Now, I'm not talking about worldly philosophy or worldly entertainment as we as Christians can identify the falsehood and spiritual rubbish these things teach, but I'm talking about Certain social spheres that claim to be Christian and claim to help us grow in faith, maturity, and trust in God. This is where we must make right judgments once backed up by God's word. So, what is false doctrine? Well, as we learned in the previous Titus 2 time episode, doctrine is a set of beliefs. Now, that was episode 18, which I will include a link to that episode in the show notes, uh, show notes just in case you uh, didn't get a chance to listen to that. Now, these beliefs can be false or true. Doctrine comes either from God or man. Therefore, false doctrine in the church is any set of beliefs that originate from man and not God. Right doctrine and right teaching is truth. 
Man's doctrine and man's teaching comes from the fertility of their mind, which is darkened in their understanding, making them excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. What they do not know about God produces a, a futile mind that lacks understanding. All of this is because of their hardened hearts as they reject God, Ephesians 4, 17-25. Even some acknowledge God, but harden against the God of Scripture, because they chase or create a God of their own imaginations, committing idolatry, Exodus 20, 4-5. They use their darkened understanding and futile minds to make a God that is like themselves. They take the Lord's name in vain, making his name worthless. The prophets are prophesying lies in my name, replied the Lord. I did not send them or appoint them or speak to them. They are prophesying to you a false vision, a worthless divination, the futility and delusion of their own minds. Jeremiah fourteen fourteen. So what does the Bible say about false doctrine? Well, one, that false doctrine is dangerous as it leads people to rebel against God. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass, and if he says, Let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice, and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has taught rebellion against the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of slavery to make you leave the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. Deuteronomy thirteen one to five. So false doctrine comes from men who claim to know God and speak for him, but in actuality instead of giving God's commandments and precepts, they teach and instruct their own words, their dreams and their precepts. Matthew fifteen nine, Mark seven seven. We either follow man's teachings that scatters or God's teachings that unites. Matthew twelve thirty, False teaching is given by shepherds who scatter the sheep, while true teaching is given by shepherds who care for God's people, drawing them to the righteous branch, Christ. Jeremiah 23, 1-7 and John fifteen five. Over and over in scripture, we are told that false teachings are empty words, commandments, precepts, myths, speculations, worldly wisdom, philosophy, knowledge, decrees, or doctrines of men. Isaiah 29.13, Ephesians 5.6, Colossians 2.20-23, 1 Timothy 1.3-7, also chapter 6.20, and Colossians 2.8. And number two, that false teaching and false teachers need to be marked and rebuked. Because right and true doctrine must be taught to bring about salvation, sanctification, all being for our future glorification. All false doctrine must be rejected and rebuked, and all false teachers should be silenced and rebuked. So what does scripture 
specifically say about false teachers? Well, scripture describes certain characteristics of false teachers. And the first characteristic we find in scripture is that they walk in darkness. In 1 John 2, 18 and 19, John contrasts those who walk in the light and those who walk in darkness. Those who walk in light keep or guards guard Christ's word. They guard it, watch over it, hold it, and obey it. When Christians keep Christ's word, they love the brothers. And that is the first way we tell whether one is in the light or in the dark, that they love the brothers. They love because their sins have been forgiven. They know the Father. They have overcome the evil one. And because the word of God abides in them. Now, false teachers One, do not walk in the light, so they never truly love the brethren. They say they walk in the light, but to truly love, one must abide in God's word. And this is what they depart from, the word. In essence, they depart from the gospel. The word given to them from the beginning. 1 John 2, 24 and 25. There are many, many false teachers that do this. They long to be teachers of the law. They long to be known as wise to sit among those of importance, to be called teacher, 1 Timothy 1.7. And so in doing this, they depart from the gospel. They neglect the proclamation of it to God's people and instead focus on law. The gospel was how you got in the door. Now the focus is how to be a good Christian, how to be righteous, but not true righteousness, mind you. First, They do not present sin to you fully, and second, they do not present Christ to you fully. See, if they were to do this, they would lose their job. If they truly believe that you and I could not gain our own righteousness by being a good Christian, then they would understand that merely teaching us how to be a good Christian would be of no use. As you and I cannot achieve righteousness by our own works of obeying the law, So to teach that Christ's perfect righteousness is given to you would defeat their teaching of law because you already have received a perfect righteousness by faith through Christ who kept the law perfectly for you, therefore making their teachings of righteous living obsolete. And this is my biggest problem with the women's ministry today. All of these books all of these conferences, all of these teachers with their entertaining stories, words of encouragement, making light of sin and teach an ease of righteousness apart from Christ. All their teachings prettied up with platitudes of full of emotion to motivate you to love yourselves through God. They tell you that you are enough, that God loves you unconditionally, belittling Christ's perfect life and ultimate sacrifice. And now, this leads to the second characteristic of false teachers, that they deny the Father and the Son, 1 John 2.22. In their words, they proclaim a God that loves you just the way you are, sins and all. They deny the Father's holiness and wrath against all sinners. They deny the necessity of the Son's perfect life accredited to us and our sins being credited to Him. And then you have the third characteristic which is because they remain in darkness and do not abide in the word and what they heard from the beginning, they live in immorality. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. 
Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. But this is evident who are, sorry, by this is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. 1 John 3, 6-10 So another characteristic of the false teacher is that they do not confess Jesus Christ as God in flesh. 1 John 4, 1-3 They may give lip service, but it's but is it a common theme? Does she teach that God came in flesh to obey the law perfectly and take our sins upon himself? Or is Christ in the background while you or her are the subject of her teachings? Who is she confessing? In her lecture, conference, or a book, who is getting the most attention? Is she proclaiming herself, telling you her life story, her testimony? Is she proclaiming you and your greatness or how important you are? Or is she proclaiming Christ and him crucified for your sins? That he is Lord and his word is what we are to abide in. Does she teach the scriptures drawing from the prophets and apostles' teachings, Christ and his commandments? For the law, the prophets, and the apostles were from God, led by the Spirit to write about him. Second Chronicles twenty four nineteen. Matthew eleven thirteen, first John four six, Luke twenty four twenty seven, and John five thirty nine. The fourth characteristic of a false teacher is that they promote and exegete or draw out or draw teaching out of their experiences. But scripture is clear that no experience will guarantee our salvation. No experience will urge one to turn to Christ. Jesus gives an example in the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, explaining through the father of Israel, Abraham, that even if one should have an experience with a dead man, that experience would not be enough to convince them of hell, let alone instruct them on how to avoid eternal damnation. Paul proclaims that the word is more sure than even seeing Christ in all his glory, and what an experience that must have been. That the word is a lamp shining in a dark place that we should pay attention to it. Luke sixteen nineteen to 31 and 2 Peter 1, 16 to 19. Now, 2 Peter, along with the pastoral, uh, the pastoral epistles, the letters of 1 John, 2 John, and Jude, all warn of false teachers. 2 Peter is one of the most comprehensive epistles on this subject. In 2 Peter, Peter explains that scripture is a teaching or set of beliefs that were spoken and given by God. Peter ranks scripture more than any experience as he informs us that it is not man's word, not even man's interpretations or relaying of something God has told them, but that scripture came about by the Holy Spirit, moving the writers to write down God's very words. It was not done by the writer's will but by the will of God, as he caused them to write his words. 2 Peter 1, 19-21 Peter, writing this epistle before his eminent death, knowing that false teachers will arise out of the church, instructs God's chosen to pay attention to scripture. Why does Peter warn them of false teachers? 
What is it that they do that is so bad? Well, one, they secretly teach destructive heresies. These heresies are hidden, they're secret, not easily revealed or seen, that they are not from God. The false teacher looks like us, talks like us, and seems to walk like us. They are men, and yes, women, who call themselves pastors, teachers, speakers, and believers. They, they identify as Christians who want to minister to other Christians. Because they are secret, they are dangerous. Ladies, even question what I say. Every episode, every book review, every Titus 2 time episode, do not just automatically trust me. Look to the scriptures. Look up these verses that I include. Read them in context and see if I'm using them correctly. So, two, what they teach are destructive, damnable teachings. Teachings that if we trust and believe them, lead us to God's wrath, not salvation. This is the most dangerous thing in all of the world, as we should not fear men who can kill the body, but God who destroys both body and spirit, Matthew 10:28. We, in our sinful, unregenerate nature, are born to believe damnable doctrine. Unregenerate man denies God and is without understanding, Psalm 14:1, Proverbs 19:3, Romans 1:31, and 8:7. In the same way, false teachers may claim to know God, but actually deny the master who bought them, 2 Peter 2.1. Humans are created to worship. Even in man's denial of God, we worship. They worship false gods, making them like themselves. These false teachers worship and teach a false god and false Christ, denying in some way either his deity, his humanity, his work on the cross, and the blessings from it, and or withholding the receiving of those blessings. Three, they teach the heresies. So these are lies that lead to divisions and factions of the church. Lies that promote a different God attacking the persons of the Trinity, the gospel, or the way and work of salvation and the return of Christ. Peter then dives into what motivates false teachers. Well, false teachers are motivated by two things. One, lust or sensuality. They follow their own desires, creating teachings that, teachings that support their desire to satisfy their flesh. That can be teaching for money, teaching for power, teaching for fame, even intellect or notoriety, or to be known as godly or righteous. Two, they are motivated by their self-authority for their own glory. These women want to receive the glory. They want to be known, popular, seen as the ones to go to for knowledge, advice, and instruction on godly living, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. 1 Timothy 6, 3-5 Underneath the stories, lectures, and quote-unquote sermons is the underlying teaching that they are the example. They have arrived. They overcame the trials and problems in this life, and now they can teach you. Their talks, advice, and lectures expose who they point to as Lord of their lives. It exposes whose authority they teach. If they talk about themselves and their life stories or motivate you through flattery and emotionality, the quote-unquote you-can-do-it type of speeches, they reveal that they desire autonomy. They desire to be their own authority. 
But if she speaks of Christ, calls out sin in your life, urges repentance, points to the gospel as a continual cure for these sins, and teaches and exposits the scriptures to equip you for every good work, then she exposes whose authority she is under. For these teachings point away from herself and point to the lordship of Christ in all of life. Peter goes on to say that false teachers and their greed exploit us with false words. 2 Peter 2, 2-3 They indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. Bold and willful, they are daring, brazen, audacious, coming off in a very appealing, charismatic way. Driven by their own self-will, despising the authority of Christ, yet claiming to be obedient to him, they teach without fear. They do not respect the powers and authorities that God has instituted. They even revile angelic majesties, Second Peter 2.10. These women or men believe they are higher or of more importance than the angels, be they servants of God or servants of Satan. They decree and declare, ordering the servants of God about every which way. They rebuke and bring a reviling judgment against the servants of Satan and even Satan himself. Peter explains that not even the holy angels spoke insults or rebuke any authority of their own accord. He gives an example of Michael the archangel respecting and recognizing the power and status of Satan, refusing to speak evil against him and instead relies on the Lord to make right judgment. Jude 8, 9 and Zechariah 3, 2. So, how do false teachers deceive? Well, having a heart trained in greed, being accursed children, they entice unstable souls forsaking the right way. 2 Peter 2, 14-15. How do they entice? They speak out arrogant words of vanity, enticing our fleshly desires by sensuality. That's verse 18 of 2 Peter. These false teachers speak with confidence, believing God has chosen them to speak for him, yet ignoring his word, they speak their own words. Their words of insight, their stories, their advice, their knowledge is vain and useless. Yet in their arrogance, they believe themselves to be wise. They know that we in our flesh make decisions and are driven by our desires and experiences. So they draw us, attracting us to themselves and their teachings, by appealing to our senses, Second Peter 2 Peter 2.2. They use music, entertainment, false miracles, signs and wonders, verbose and philosophical speeches, all to entice the eyes, the ears, and the emotions. Logical and critical thinking is usually discouraged, and definitely being a Berean makes you an outcast. And they prey on people, especially those in desperate times and need. Those that are going through trials and tribulations looking to make their life better or escape sins, yet these false teachers are springs without water, Second Peter 2.17. They deceive by claiming to hear from God and teach his ways, but never actually give and teach Christ and his word, thereby never satisfying people's thirst. They promise freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For what a man is overcome by, this he is enslaved. Second Peter 2.19 False teachers are enslaved or overcome by their own sin, never really coming to or remaining in Christ, never preaching or teaching him as the one who sets us free. 
So because they remain enslaved to sin, they preach and teach the law instead of Christ, believing they can fulfill it instead of Christ already fulfilling it for us. Now, what does scripture say false doctrine produces? Well, one, it produces ungodliness. Paul, writing to Timothy, states, Remind them of these things, that is all that he had written in chapter 1, and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has, who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth, but avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into a more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Second Timothy two fourteen to seventeen. It is the Holy Spirit that is the author of Scripture. Second Peter one twenty one. He teaches and enlightens us by it. So as we study it, the Scripture works in us to produce His fruit, making us more like Christ, more godly. False doctrine does not produce the fruits of the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, teaches us through the scriptures all things. John 14, 26, 2 Peter 1, 3. His teaching is truth, John 17, 17, and produces certain specific fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Galatians 5, 22-23. This is the fruit of God's doctrine. 2. It ultimately leads to idolatry, putting a faith and trust in a false god, false Christ, and a false spirit. Now we women have our idols. We worship and look to these to save or satisfy our flesh. We can make idols out of our husbands, trusting in them to give us love and comfort. We can trust in our parenting to save our children, thinking such uh, things such as healthy eating to save them physically or education, Christian or not, to save them physically and even spiritually, thinking that by them they will be wise and successful in this life. We trust in relationship, relationships to give us love and affection. We trust in our jobs to provide for us. We trust in our comfort, health, and wealth to tell us whether we are even in God's favor and many, many more such idols. False doctrine, again, makes God to be like us, making us believe he wants for us what we, in our flesh, desire. The right doctrine, God's doctrine, reveals our idols, exposes our sinful desires, calls us to repentance, and preaches Christ crucified for these sins. Right doctrine, God's teachings, instruct us into righteousness and good works because by it our faith grows in knowledge and discernment, knowing what is good and true, therefore directing us into all the works God has for us to do. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice, and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. Deuteronomy 13.4 How can we walk after the Lord? fear him, and obey him if we are learning or having learned falsely about him. 3. It leads people to stray or depart from the faith as people devote themselves to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. 1 Timothy 4.1 Christ warns that false anointed ones, Christ meaning the anointed one, false Christ and false prophets, men who speak from God, will rise 
show false signs and wonders, and will deceive, if possible, even the elect. Matthew twenty four twenty four. 4. It shipwrecks faith. Scripture explains that faith is the substance of things hoped for. Our hope is in the God who has made specific promises to us. Our faith is our trust in Him and these promises. It's when we trust, believe, have faith in the gospel, in all of God's promises, that we live a certain way and in them have peace and joy. When one is taught and trusts in false doctrine, it misplaces our faith, causing it to become shipwrecked, to go nowhere. Scripture is very clear that because false doctrine is dangerous and can shipwreck a person's faith, pastors and overseers are to point out and rebuke false doctrine. 1 Timothy 1, 18-19 Scripture urges the overseers in the church to not only correct and point out false doctrine, but rebuke false teachers as well. In Titus 1.9, Paul instructs Titus to hold fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, so that the overseer will be able to both exhort in sound doctrine and refute those who contradict it. In 1 Timothy 1.3, Paul's instruction to Timothy was to instruct certain men not to teach strange or different doctrines, nor to pay attention to myths, stories, or endless genealogies, because they would give rise to distractions, mere speculations, that do not further the administration of God, which is by faith. The goal of Paul and all the apostles' instructions and directions is love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere or true faith. Some men turning away from the goal of love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith teach a law instead. They teach moralistic, therapeutic deism. They proclaim a God who, through therapeutic and philosophical teachings, can be appeased in good works, living a moral life through obedience to the law. But Paul says that the law is for the lawless, 1 Timothy 1, 8-11, for those who perform the acts that are a result of unsound teaching. Sound teaching from right doctrine produces love, the fulfillment of the whole law. It brings one to know and love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves, albeit imperfectly on this side of glory. But as John says, we do not need someone to teach us as we have the Holy Spirit and are taught by God through his word. 1 John 2.27 This sound teaching comes from Christ, in which are found faith and love and his salvation of sinners, the gospel, to which we should fully accept and believe. 1 Timothy 1.14 And 5. At its worst, false teaching does not save. If we are taught a different anointed one, a false Christ, a different spirit, or a different gospel, though there is no other gospel, we will not be saved. 2 Corinthians 11, 3-4, Galatians 1, 6-9 Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through him. John fourteen six. And 6. At the very least, false teaching stunts the growth of a disciple. Ultimately, Our lives are a reflection of what we believe, and our emotions are an expression of what we believe. We start as disciples, consuming God's word as milk. Sound doctrine over time trains us up to become more mature. 
The more we study God's word, the more it becomes solid food, strengthening us in knowledge and discernment, causing again our love to abound more and more. Philippians 1, 8-9. And this is where we see the practicality of sound doctrine. False teaching affects our homes. It doesn't produce faith in the gospel, as it is faith that pleases God. Hebrews 11, 6. And living faith produce good works. James 2, 14 to 26. And therefore, our households are not full of the good works of repentance, love, forgiveness, and all the other fruits of the Spirit. So my conclusion. Now, ladies, let's think about this. We have seen from Scripture what the Holy Spirit explains about false teachers through the Apostle Peter. So I ask you, and I ask myself, do we want to be like these false teachers? Do we want to be enslaved to our sins and guided by our senses, being tossed to and fro by every teaching and wind of doctrine? Ephesians 4, 14-16 Because this is what false teaching produces. It produces false believers and other false teachers. For those of us women who have children, or teach children, have friends and minister to them or in our local church, we, in one sense or another, are teaching. So we must pay attention to what we are learning. For a pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone after he has been fully trained will be like his teacher. Luke 6.40 Yes, if we believe falsely, we will teach falsely, either by word or by deed. So, dear sister, who is teaching you? Do you put yourself under teachers, especially female teachers, who teach that which is good, so you are encouraged to love your husbands and children, be pure and self-controlled, to work at home, be kind and submissive to them? Do you come up under teachers who teach what is good, holding God's word up in honor? Do they understand that to draw you away from the word of God and proclaim themselves and their teaching would be to revile God's word? Or do you put yourselves under teachers who talk about you and your worth and greatness or themselves, their ideas, their dreams and revelations? Who do you want to be more like, them or Christ? Whoever they proclaim and teach, you will become like. The blind will lead the blind, but let us find men and women to teach and proclaim Christ and his word so we may be led by him and become more and more like him. So next, Titus 2 time, I want to talk about where we women should go from here. Now that we see how imperative sound doctrine is and how dangerous false teaching is, how do we discern truth from error? But until next time, ladies, I pray you are searching out men and women who will proclaim Christ, always reminding you of the good news that he came in flesh to live and die for sinners, and that by faith in this gospel, we are counted righteous, declared justified by God, who adopts us as his children. I pray you compare every teaching, even what is taught in this podcast, to scripture. I pray you are in God's